You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. And we have a guest joining us again today. I'm not a werewolf. Says you. Or, you're a werewolf. No, you're, you're a, a werewolf. werewolf. We're all werewolves. It's me. It's Mike. Got a creepy head on back. Thank uh, you for joining us once again, good sir. March, the month of Mike. <laughs> hey, Maurice, got a question for you. So, is your middle name Mike by any chance, Maurice? No. It is now. Uh, uh, I, I, I would prefer it to be Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever asked. We're going to do this live on the show. Maurice, what is no, your middle no, name? No, we're not. No, we're not. Ah, uh, come on. Mine's Sebastian. So, you know. Mine's worse. <laughs> Mine, mine is worse than Sebastian, if you can believe that. Oh, see, now I really want to know. <laughs> is it Esteban? No, but it does start with an E. Uh, Emmanuel. Elias? No. no. Hmm. Uh, Ebenezer. Urkel. No, Urkel, I think it's a U. <laughs> I thought it was EU. But <laughs> Is it EU? Is it I th- Edwin? No. Nope. Eustace. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, You're close. With the so EU. you've got like an old country Amish. Uh, Elodie. Hmm. Nope. Emmett. Nope. Hmm. Damn, that's he gonna gets. me now. <laughs> he gets. My my grandfather went by the name Gene. Oh, oh Eugene? Eugene? Yeah. There's nothing, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that name. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Come on, Monster Squad. I know, right? <laughs> Eugene's fucking cool. <laughs> but I, I I believe Jim Carrey's small name is Eugene. Well, there you go. See now, growing oh. up, your your pop culture reference is Monster Squad. Mine was a fucking animated Jamaican crab. <laughs> yeah, James Eugene Carey. So it's not that. So I got the same middle name as Jim Carey. So that's true. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say I remember kids in school like once they found out my name, my middle name was Sebastian. It was like I'd always get the you know under the sea singing at me. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> so, well, I mean, did you get Michael Michael motorcycle? Oh, all the time. And Mikey likes it. Oh, God. The Mikey likes it. I was so tired. See, now that that sucks even worse for a fat kid. Because it was like, there's no food that Mikey doesn't like. Me, 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 me. I mean, yeah, See, but right. But still. I, I, I was a violent kid. If somebody would have said, uh, under the sea, I would, have said, I would have said something like, I'm going to put you six feet under or something. <laughs> Maurice would have just nuts. tackled him and started beating him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If they said under the sea, they'd wake up in the middle of the night. You'd be standing over them with a pillow. <laughs> now you're going under the sea, motherfucker. They're, they wake up wrapped in a rug on a bridge. <laughs> Cement boots. And he's just like, who's going under the sea now, bitch? <laughs> just drops him in the water. Well, this is a weird way to start this episode. We haven't even told people what it is. So we are. We are conti- oh, good. It has nothing to do with the sea. Not, not at all. 
but we are continuing our month of video game horror movies with episode 174, Werewolves Within, from 2021. It's an hour and 37 yes. minutes, uh, directed by Josh Rubin, who only did this and the movie called Scare Me. Um, so let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this. Mike, as you're our guest, we it's official or it's it's uh, tradition. We start with you. So what are your thoughts? Uh, it's Michael John Omey the <laughs> second. By the way, never asked. I'm named after my father, so he could avoid taxes with the IRS. It's harder for them to catch you if you have somebody that has the exact same name. Fun fact. <laughs> never knew that oh that's uh, why i was named after my dad so uh <laughs> if your father happens to be a criminal the irs will think you're him and take your paychecks and garnish them constantly uh until you get it taken care of anyways i loved werewolves within i thought it was awesome maurice thank your- you for recommending it i was gonna say it's your first time watching it uh last night was my second time okay and I highly recommend you watch it twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, love I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Uh, there's so much fun stuff like in the background. Yes. Uh, after you're like, you're not watching it for the plot. You're kind of like you, your eyes are wandering to all the background jokes. It's really, really funny. Um, I thought it was great. I've never played the video game. I know what the video game is like. And this is just like a fun take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has my favorite kind of dialogue within a comedy, like conversational dialogue, which I kind of got first exposed to in Princess Bride, mm-hmm. where like two adversaries are just kind of having a conversation. They hate each other, but you're still kind of like very conversational, like, oh, you're going to kill me now? Yeah, I'm going to kill you. Uh, OK, I'll see you later. <laughs> like that very like back and forth mm-hmm. instead of just like screaming at each other. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's wholly unique. Very cool. Uh, great cast. Uh, I love the setting because I work in so many towns like that, or I've driven through them so many times. Right. Very, like, this is our backyard, kind of. Um, so, big, 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 big thumbs up for me. And uh, this is a maybe the best video game adaptation that I've ever seen. Better than Mortal Kombat. Oh, better- wow better than i have i gotta watch it again but maybe better than silent hill if you want to call this a video game movie but i don't the video game it's based on is just a party game right i was gonna say as far as being closely related to the source material i i feel like silent hill might take the cake for that yeah Uh, but this is definitely like a unique take because yeah it, it is a party game for anyone who doesn't know uh what this game is it's a it's a vr party game it's basically you have to ask, basically uh, point the finger and ask questions to your fellow players and try to figure out who the hell the werewolf is. Um, so it's it's it makes sense in context of the story for the film, like how they play that out. But it's pretty loose as far as like comparisons to the video game. But uh, Maurice, I know this is one of this has been one of your recommendations since it came out. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, you guys already know my thoughts on this. I want to know. We're going to skip to you. I want to know your thoughts because it took you forever to finally watch this. <laughs> this this so is true. You, you can ask for my thoughts after. You already know my <laughs> thoughts. Well, Maurice loves it. He's the one that picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get Mike to watch this probably since it came out. This is true. And 
it's very hard to watch. It it is. It, there's a lot a lot of moving parts. No, mm-hmm. like just to stream it, you just have to buy it. Yeah. yeah oh it's yeah. It's not streaming yeah. anywhere. It, See, I mean, I'm glad I have it. It it ticked me off because when we picked this, it was streaming on Amazon. Like like you didn't have to pay for it. It was streaming. So last month when we were looking at you know possible choices, I looked it up. It's like oh okay, it was it's streaming. And then when I went to go watch it, it's like, oh, we've removed the streaming and you can't even fucking rent it. You have to buy it. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to watch this? By the way, fuck you. Yeah. It's like, like, if I had the time, I would just buy the DVD. Right. And that was the thing. I was like, you know, I mean, I I don't hate the fact that I I dropped 10 bucks to buy it. Um, But because I definitely will watch it again. I watched it twice uh, before recording. Uh, both last night, <laughs> I watched it. I, I watched it in pieces for the first viewing, and then the second viewing, it was like I was watching while writing my notes. Um, but yeah, I really do like this. It it is definitely a very fun movie. But I am gonna say something that uh, might piss a few people off. It's not original. Um, this much like Thirty Days of Night stole its story from a Tales from the Crypt episode. The basic plot for this movie is werewolf concerto that is an episode i want to say timothy dalton is in it uh it's tales from the crypt episode where there's someone hunting a werewolf who is plaguing a community of people who are trapped in a hotel uh in the middle of nowhere and everyone's trying to figure out who the werewolf is so this has been done before um mike 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 eh, all movies have been done before <laughs> okay. That okay. being said, I really enjoyed it. Um, in fact, it's Just... one of the best who done it I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I'm petting your head. <laughs> no, you're right. But but yeah, that's the thing. Like as soon as I, I I started watching the movie and I saw the setting, I was like, wow, this is this is pretty similar to Werewolf Concerto. And as it kept going on, I'm like, you know, obviously the ending, like the the result of both stories are completely different. Um, so it's like, again, like 30 Days a Night. All they really got with 30 Days a Night was, hey, let's do vampires in Alaska and, you know, have the people stuck because, you know, it's always dark. So the vampires are going to really hunt them down and kill them. So it's it's that simple where it's just a similar basic outline and a completely different story. But as soon as I, like I said, as soon as I started watching, I was like, wait a second, I've seen this before. So, but I loved it. I loved the, the characters were fantastic. Um, friggin' what is her name? Miana or Milana Van Trub, the AT&T girl. Yeah. <laughs> who should have been, who should have been Squirrel Girl. Damn it. Well, apparently she did the voice for Squirrel Girl in Marvel. She does. And, and in one of the podcasts, they have a Squirrel um, uh, Girl podcast. Yeah. She's not, not Squirrel Girl. Right. That's true, but we, we never got that new warrior show that we all yeah, deserved. Um that I'm gonna stake my claim on this. I bet she shows up in She Hulk season two. I really hope so. I would not be surprised. Um if John Berthal can come back as Punisher in mm-hmm. Daredevil, if she but it's hers to say no to, I feel like. Right. Uh, she impressed me though, because I haven't I mean I guess she's been in a lot of other like television shows and she did voice acting gigs i really only know her from the at&t commercials and she was really good in this movie like i feel like uh her and sam richardson are really the standouts they they did phenomenal in this film um 
I really connected to Sam Richardson. Mm-hmm. And Maurice, I have to ask your opinion of Ace of Base. um well uh i i can't confirm nor deny i may have had the cassette at one point okay Mm -hmm. i i am a an ace of base closet ace of base fan well not anymore but well yeah i'm 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 out of the closet i saw the sign it opened up my eyes i saw the sign yeah Uh, i'm just gonna oh good i had an art class when i was a teenager and the teacher just played Ace of Base on a loop. And it just stuck to me. And I have this, like, closet love of, like, Europop, like ABBA. hmm <laughs> Like Ace of Base. And as soon as, uh, what's her name in the movie? Um, oh, Cecily. Cecily comes out dancing Ace of Base. I was like, oh, Jesus. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't know I needed to see that. Um. (laughs) i you know what i've said this before i'll say it again Uh, at this point in my life i am far too old to basically hide anything that i like musically um ace of bass is one of those things i don't think that you could have grown up in the 90s and not constantly heard ace of bass (laughs) the the sign was everywhere um Mm -hmm. in fact and i've told this story on on i think it was raised by rentals that i told the story but when I worked at Media Play, we used to buy back CDs, and that was a um, it was one of our blackout titles. You could not buy any more copies of the sign from Ace of Base because <laughs> everybody had one, <laughs> and people sold them back in mass. And then, like, we just had like forty copies of that album. I, I just picture people coming in with stacks of "Now This Is Music" and Ace of Base, <laughs> and you guys just being like, "No, nope, no, no, just there's the door." I mean, it's not far off because, uh, you know, we did buy them right off the bat. And then it was like, wow, no one is no one is clearing these Ace of Base CDs out. Maybe we shouldn't buy anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Like when it when it came up in the movie, I was like, oh, wow, I haven't heard this in forever. And I go lie. I was I was shaking my shoulders. I was like, OK, you know, it's been a while <laughs> since I heard this. I, I don't hate it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really glad, Maurice, that you that you uh, picked this one for this month because this this is a fantastic flick. Uh, so let's just say that right off the bat for anyone listening that has not seen this, pause the episode, go watch it. You're not going to be disappointed. You can buy it. I don't have the DVD. I bought it digitally, but uh, I think it's if you can find it at Walmart. I think it's like fourteen ninety nine for the Blu-ray. Yeah, like twelve ninety nine for the regular. Yeah, as it's on Amazon, you can actually buy the DVD or the um, well, the DVD you can get for ten bucks, and then the uh, digital version you can get the HD version for I think fifteen, and then the the SD version for ten. So, I mean, it's it's not an expensive movie, and and honestly, like Mike said, it is one you're gonna want to watch again. There's just so much happening, which unfortunately is something that I had a hard time with with my notes because there were so many fucking things going on. If you want to compare it to something, compare it to Clue. Yes, very much so. Mm. Where there's just stuff happening. There's such a big cast. And there's so many things happening in every scene. But uh, let's get into the cast. Speaking of a big cast, we have Finn Wheeler, played by Sam Richardson, who I, I loved him in this. He was so damn good. Um, but we know him from The Office, Horrible Bosses 2, uh, Neighbors 2, Ghostbusters 2016, Rise of TMNT. 
Modoc, Hocus Pocus 2, and most recently, Velma. Um, <laughs> sorry, I hate that show. And then we have uh, Cecily Moore, played by, I'm going to say this wrong again, but Milana Vantrub, I think I'm, I think I'm saying that wrong. But she was in The Clandestine, Key and Peel, House of Lies, Robot Chicken, Marvel Rising, and as we mentioned, a shitload of AT&D commercials. Um, also, you know, can, can we all agree that she's just friggin' adorable? <laughs> like, she's just so cool. Like, I'm afraid to comment because if my wife listens to this episode, <laughs> I'm going to be in so much fucking trouble. I, I mean, I've always thought she was more than adorable. I've always found her hot. <laughs> well, yeah, no, she's she's very pretty, but like, there's something about her smile that I'm just like, oh, she's just adorable. Like, I want to. Um, she's that like dangerous kind of like, <laughs> disarming. <laughs> At least her character in the movie is. Oh yeah, no. Ce- Cecily yeah. in particular is very. Uh, yeah, she'll make you want to get an AT and T plan, <laughs> which is garbage. Um, I, yeah, uh, I think she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, great at her job. She's very funny. I'm gonna refrain. <laughs> uh, yeah, keep, keep it safe for yourself. You know, <laughs> it's common knowledge of my problems with like Linnea Quigley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to make things worse. no i i will say she she is definitely a very attractive person but uh you know in in particular in this movie she's just freaking adorable um which again cool as shit like yeah you want to hang out with her exactly and she's very very, her again her character is very fucking funny she has some great lines in this i think she's the only one in that town that i would want to hang out with oh i don't know i'd want to hang out with finn (laughs) oh i don't know i i I might want to hang out with, uh, uh, I can't think of the names, uh, Mar- Gamer. From... Yeah. Yes. I'd have to hang out. No, with no. Devin and, uh, Oh, De- Devin and Joaquim. Joaquim. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> There's an M. <laughs> There's an M. I love him and, uh, what we do in the shadows, but oh, I, he, I've seen him in other things too. I, I, I love him as an actor. Oh, he's friggin' hilarious. Joaquim. Was pretty cool. Yeah. The, uh, Who's that? The innkeeper was oh, pretty innkeeper? cool. Yeah. I well, asked her for a sandwich. I don't know if I'd hang out with her, though. She yeah, she, cool. se- she seems more like the motherly type, you know? Yeah. She- she'd make you a sandwich and-, and-, and give you a place to stay. But uh, we have Marcus, played by George Basil. Uh, he was in Man Underground, You're the Worst, No Tomorrow, Wrecked, and Smilf. Then we have Gwen, played by Sarah Burns. She wait, was wait, in wait. I- what the fuck does Smilf stand for? <laughs> I, I honestly forget, but it, it is uh, some kind of MILF. <laughs> um, but I remember when the TV show had would had first come on, I, it didn't last very long. Hmm. Uh, I think it was a Comedy Central thing. But uh, then we have Gwen, played by Sarah Burns. She was in I Love You Man, Cop Out, The Mindy Project, Wet Hot American Summer 10 Years Later, and most recently, Barry. Uh, Pete Anderton, played by Michael Chernus. He was in Men in oh. Black 3. <laughs> yeah, He's such a dick in this movie. <laughs> but Meta Black 3, The Born Legacy, Law and Order. Um, let me see. Spider-Man Homecoming, The Accidental Wolf, and Severance. Um, oh. Orange is the New Black, too. He plays like the exact same character. Oh, I didn't I, I didn't even see he was on that. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely a pervert in this. But uh, then we have Janine Sherman, played by Catherine Curtin. She was in The Born Legacy, The Wolf of Wall Street, Law and Order, and Orange is the New Black. 
Um, Sam Parker, played by Wayne Duvall. We would know him from the X-Files, Apollo 13, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, The District, Law and & Order, and Lincoln. Uh, Joaquin Wolfson, played by Harvey, uh, I always say his name wrong, is it Guillen? Yeah. G- yeah, I think it's Guillen. Guillen. He, he was in Eye Candy, I Zombie, Truth or Dare, Archer, Harley Quinn, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and of course, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> Gizmo. I, I almost call him Gizmo twice in my notes. How many birthdays Gizmo. do you need? <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the next season of that. That's such a good show. That's that's one of those rare cases where I would argue that the show surpassed the film. Yes. And I love the film. I, I absolutely adore the film, but my God, the show is so damn funny. I mm-hmm. agree. Um, then we have Dr. Ellis, played by Rebecca Henderson. She was in Westworld, Orange is the New Black, Sex Appeal, Single Drunk Female, and Russian Doll. Then we have Devin Wolfson, played by uh, Cheyenne Jackson. He was in Glee, 30 Rock, CSI, American Horror Story, Watchmen, and Call Me Cat. There's a and lot then, of actors with wolf in their name. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people who were in wolf movies. Huh. Um, we Good have... <laughs> right? Trisha Anderton, played by, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, but Michaela Watkins. Uh, she's in Trophy Wife, New Girl, The Goldbergs, What Hot American Summer, 10 Years Later, Good Boys, Transparent, The Unicorn, and Robot Chicken. And then finally, Emerson, played by Glenn Fleshler. He was in Law & Order, Delocated, Boardwalk Empire, True Detective, Hannibal, The Watchmen, Law & Order, and Barry. No Murder, She Wrote connections. Sadly, no. But a lot of... Uh, a lot of whodunit connections, like with stuff like True True Detective, Law and Order, all that. I think you're going to have to upgrade to Law and Order connections soon. True, Law and Order and CSI. There's a yeah. lot of those. Um, also, yeah. quite a few supernatural connections. Yeah. But uh, the basic basic plot of this for anyone who hasn't seen it is is a werewolf is preying on a small town, and this is a whodunit mystery. So basically, a small town is cut off from the rest of the world. Someone amongst them is a werewolf, but who is it? So it's it's if you've seen a whodunit, you kind of know what to expect. So honest opinion of the three of us, who do you think would be a werewolf? Of the three of us? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to go with you only because of the breakfast werewolf. <laughs> yeah, I set that up. That was a softball question. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> I've already gotten comments for an offhanded joke I made on the latest episode of Creepy Head where I said, like, if you fall asleep, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> uh, people thought that was a really funny throwaway. Uh, it's true. Lock your bedroom. <laughs> Just wake up and Mike's gnawing on your leg. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I, I thought you were cereal. <laughs> <laughs> to trigger your ghoulie cat sounds. <laughs> okay. <go laughs> oh, man. So we open with a quote slowly appearing on the screen. <clears throat> the quote says, listening is where love begins. Listening to ourselves and listening to our neighbors. And I love it because before it says who the quote is, the music keys up really creepy and it just says, Mr. Rogers across the screen. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh god! I was in the first three seconds of the movie. I was cracking up. I'm like, okay, oh. we're we're in for a good ride. Um, it's funny. Mister Rogers is awesome, and he never gets credit for it. But we wouldn't have Night of Living Dead without Mister Rogers. This so. is very true. He he gave George Romero a job. 
Yep, he gave him the the kick in the butt that he needed. Mm-hmm. But uh, we zoom in on a, on a huge house in the middle of the woods. A man stands out in front of the house by a tree when suddenly he hears something in the bushes nearby. He goes off to investigate and is mauled by an unseen beast. Dun dun dun! Smash cut. Like Cheerios. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cheerios and Lucky Charms. Smash cut to Finn Wheeler screaming in his car while listening to a self-help tape on how to be a man. Let's all chant the word balls. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking lost it. And I love it. It's like an old lady telling him to say balls. (laughs) She was like, it's healthy. Balls, balls, balls. (laughs) Oh, man. And then it says, this is another subtle joke, but I fucking lost it. I had to pause the movie because Across the screen, it says 29.5 days later. The .5? Like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Which means later that night, it's going to be a full moon. Or no. Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) The .5? I'm like, why why not just 29 days later? Oh, my God. But he tries to call his girlfriend and gets her voicemail. Uh, From the message he leaves, it's very clear that there's some relationship problems between the two of them. And he tells her he wants her to call him. And then he says, oh, you don't have to. But then he asserts himself saying, no, I want you to call me. That's I'm telling you what I want. That is what I want you to do. You know, call me, please. He's like, I I I love you. Bye. (laughs) So you can tell there's some issues there. He makes his way into the town of Beaverfield, where he's stationed as the new ranger. Uh, he passes a large Midland scu- Midland gas sculpture that looks like a big old flaming dick. Um, and it's funny because as he passes it, his self-help book continues to yell balls. <laughs> so that, that giant flaming dick is going to play a role later. Um, eventually, he arrives at the big mansion from the opening scene where we find out it's the local inn and he's staying there. He heads inside and we meet a handful of our characters. Uh, while on the radio, we hear a weather report talking all about an approaching storm. So we meet Janine Sherman, who owns and operates the inn, as well as the restaurant that she says she has no competitors this time of year. So everyone has to eat at, her, eat, eat at the inn. Um, Mr. Sam Parker, who works for Midland Gas and is trying to buy out the townsfolk so his company can run a pipeline through the town. But it has to be a unanimous vote. And so far, Janine and a few others aren't biting. More on that later. Mm. Janine offers to take Finn's luggage up to his room and, and she, or uh, take his luggage and show him up to his room. And we get this ridiculous scene where she's carrying all of his luggage by herself in one go. It reminded me like when you have a bunch of groceries in the car and you're like, I'm doing it in one go. You just take them all. You know, I think I permanently damaged my fingers as a kid mm-hmm. with those fucking plastic bags. Like I'll hook 15 bags of cans of soup onto my fingers. <laughs> And like, I wonder why it hurts to play video games now. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's like you have the, the one bag just dangling off the end of your pinky. Like, I can do it. Yeah. And like your fingers throb <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> They're all red and got stress marks on them. Oh, man. But so she carries all of her, all of his shit up there. And then we meet Cecily Moore, the mail carrier. And I love it because he's like, oh, a lady mailman. She goes, mail person, gender is a construct. <laughs> <laughs> And she introduces herself to Finn and gives him a letter from the local environmentalist, Dr. Ellis, who is staying at the inn right across the hall from him. The letter is in regards to Mr. Emerson, who is apparently doing commercial trapping. So now Finn has a case to go and investigate. 
He asks Cecily if he can walk to Emerson's from the inn, and she tells him it's a bit of a schlep, but she can show him how to get there, and she as she has some deliveries along the way. <laughs> schlep. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's. I've always heard the term slog, but yeah, I like schlep. <laughs> but, isn't that the die ginger? Isn't that the ginger ale? Oh no, that's schleps. <laughs> oh no, uh, I want schleps. I was gonna say I want a knockoff version called schlep now. <laughs> you got ginger ale at home. Schleps. <laughs> <laughs> Who says it'll make you go blind? <laughs> um, <laughs> we cut to the two walking through uh, walking through town on their way to Emerson's, chatting about the town and meeting some of the other colorful characters that inhabit Beaverville. So we uh, we find out that Cecily lives in the inn and helps Janine run things. She goes on to tell Finn that Janine's husband met a woman at the bar and ran off. Uh, Janine hasn't been the same ever since. While she's saying this, though, did you guys notice that someone in the inn is watching out of the window? No. Yeah. In the background, you see the curtain peel back, and you can't see who's there. But when Finn looks over his shoulder, the curtain closes again. So it's like, huh, who was watching them? I'm going to have to go back and look. The doctor, probably? That's what I was was like. Was it it the doctor or was it Sam? Because once we find out what's going on with Mr. Parker, it's like, hmm, curious. But uh, Finn makes a comment about how he he should have brought snowshoes and goes on to tell her about how it's the oldest and safest way to traverse the ice and snow. Cecily tells him he'll fit right in in Beaverfield. Everyone there is a bit odd. The snowshoe thing comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We now come upon our first two townies, Devin and Joaquin Wolfson, a very wealthy couple who have left the big city to come to Beaverfield. Devin is a tech mogul and Joaquin runs a yoga studio. Then it's on to the Beaverfield Auto Repair, where we meet Gwen and Marcus, basically a couple of meth heads. They're the best. Oh, my God. They, cra- they really grow on you. <laughs> their, their lines of dialogue are some of the best in the movie. Gwen bitches to Cecily about how she's still waiting for that fuel injector, and by her algebra, it's been about three weeks, and it should have <laughs> arrived by now. Cecily tells her she hasn't gotten it yet, but Gwen doesn't believe her. And I love how Gwen takes a wrench and holds it out as a fake dick and just starts stroking it. (laughs) Tries to rape her husband with it. (laughs) Marcus comes up and she chases him around with it and he goes, get away. She had too much soda. I was like, wait, what? She had too much soda. (laughs) So that made her become a wrench rapist. It's It's that schleps, man. It it gets you all sugary. It's filled with meth. But Cecily tells uh, Cecily tells Finn that the two of them are just waiting on the pipeline money. They continue their way down, uh, continue on their way, and they meet Trisha Anderton, the owner of a local maple farm. But her passion <laughs> is crafting. <laughs> so you want to have fun? I did this last night when I was watching it. You get uh, continue the scene, and I'll explain it. She uh, she gives Finn a little soap bottle angel of himself. Which is a white bottle. And he goes, oh, look, it's a little pal me. Which cracked me up. So her little soap bottle angels are hiding all over the movie. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hilarious. Like, they keep popping up. <laughs> yep. There, there's I, the the one I noticed uh, was in the, the axe throwing place. Yeah. That that was the the only one I saw. But that, I'm, I mean, I wasn't looking that close in the background. So I'm sure there's tons of them. Uh, I saw one. When they're in her house later. <laughs> it's funny. But that, I mean, she's like her and her, her husband. They're, they're that like, 
how do I put this? They're they're basically like those those Trumpers that uh, you know are kind of loud but also kind of quiet because she keeps making little rude comments throughout this conversation. Um, and there's that one point where she, she mentions the locker up thing goes, hey, locker up, locker up. <laughs> like she keeps like, oh yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but she explains that she plans to open her own craft store as soon as the pipeline money comes in. Then her creepy husband, Pete, comes over carrying Trisha's dog, Chachi. <laughs> and Pete is very touchy and creepy with Cecily, in spite of her very obviously not wanting him to touch her. Uh, they're both annoyed because someone vandalized their signs supporting the pipeline, and they bitch about all the hippies and liberals in town. As the Andertons walk away, uh, Cecily tells Finn that Pete boned Gwen in their sugaring room. <laughs> He's like, really? <laughs> but did he? Well, we find out later. That was four years ago, and it never happened. <laughs> but they then pass Mr. Parker's phallic fire totem, and Cecily explains that the only, hold, uh, the only holdouts on the pipeline are Janine and the Wolfsons. So basically, he has this statue erected in town no pun intended uh to constantly remind them about midland gas so the two continue their way to the to emerson's land cecily asks finn uh if he has a big family and he tells her that it's just him and his sister she tells him that he's lucky saying she's the youngest of seven siblings that'll be important later <laughs> finn starts to head up the path towards emerson's place and cecily tries to warn him about the signs but finn doesn't hear as he's distracted by a phone call from his girlfriend charlotte the signs basically say trespass and die. Now, did I read it too fast or did it was it trespass with only one S? Or is that how it's supposed to be spelled? Don't you know, ask me. I, I didn't even look, I'll be honest. Um I mean trespass, trespass is two S's, right? Well it's it's three. It's it's T R E S P A S S. Right. Well that's what I mean. I think it was just T R E P A S. I'm pretty sure. I have to go back and look. <laughs> Tray pass. Straight pass and die. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised considering the character, but that's funny. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even notice that. People would think I was illiterate if it wasn't for spell check. <laughs> oh, the same. <laughs> but Finn loses the call, like the, the connection to the call, and continues up to the house and knocks. No one answers. Finn pulls back a tarp over one of the windows, and we get a jump scare by a taxidermied wolf in the window. Suddenly, Emerson comes up from behind and pokes him in the belly with a rifle telling me he has 30 seconds to get off his property before he shoots. Finn tries to explain why he's there, about the commercial trapping. Emerson tells him he makes his living legally on his own land. And Finn goes, well, as long as it's not on the U.S. forest. And Emerson goes, I don't recognize your job, your stupid uniform, or the government you work for. And then he goes, you're down to 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm a sovereign citizen. <laughs> Finn thanks him and runs off as Emerson continues to count down. He's like, nine. Eight, seven, <laughs> just takes <laughs> off running. He gets back to Cecily, who thinks, oh, that's the other thing I forgot. She had him deliver a package to Emerson. So he's armed. He, he's heavily armed. Yeah, he's screaming that as he's running. He's like, did you know this? He's heavily armed. And she goes, yeah. Are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> I love her reaction to that. But the two make their way to an axe-throwing joint that is filled with arcade games, pinball, and jukebox. Like, I wanted to go hang out there. That place looked fun. They gave her the keys? 
Well, yeah, she goes, uh, she explains that she delivers their packages in the winter, so she has the keys to the kingdom. So basically, she makes it sound like during the winter, well, actually, they they all make it sound like this, because Janine comments on this earlier in the movie, how during this time of year, a lot of stuff is closed down. So, I mean, I've worked extensively, like, in the Adirondacks in Vermont, mm -hmm. New Hampshire. It's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just weird. So it's basically you have those uh, the people that are like they they live seasonally in certain places. It's kind of like the snowbirds here. Have you, know, you guys they... ever thrown axes before? I never no. have, but it, damn it, it looks fun. It, I I feel like I would be like Finn, mm -hmm. and that you know I'd be like accidentally killing people and you know like <laughs> nothing would land, but it seems a lot of fun. I did see one fail video that was really scary, where this girl hucked an axe and it bounced off of the uh the target like it hit handle first bounced back and then hit the ground right next to her and i was like jesus that's <laughs> like okay that's scary but uh but no i would definitely like to try it although now every time i think of axe throwing i think of tony todd because when he was at uh nickel city and talking to us at our table he was talking about the axe throwing joint in buffalo he's like yeah, they were saying that there's an axe throwing place around here. That sounds dangerous. He goes, I don't know if I want to drink and throw axes. <laughs> and I was like, Candyman is talking about hucking axes. This is awesome. Yeah. We're Ooh. scary. We're scary. Yeah. That's true. As, well, as long as there's no bees involved, you know. I'd the watch bees. from a safe distance. Right. <laughs> the bees, the bees. Oh, Nicolas Cage. But she tells him to put on some music while she goes to get some food. Finn selects I Saw the Sign by Ace of Base, which definitely is fun because it has a, a little double meaning here. Uh, Cecily comes dancing out of the back room with two kombuchas. And, you know, basically it's the, you know, he saw the sign that he should move on from, Char uh, from Charlotte by looking at her. And he should also be paying closer attention to Cecily. More on that later. <laughs> so <laughs> the two sit down and talk about how Finn ended up there. Basically, he screwed up and was convinced to fish illegally in a protected pond by some of the guys he knew, and they posted it on social media. So his and trans she was like asking him, like, did you touch somebody? Where <laughs> yeah. did you touch him? She Show goes, me on your soap bottle. <laughs> she goes, time's up for you, too. <laughs> She's like, Show me on the soap bottle, Angel, where you touched him. He's like, I didn't touch anyone, all right? <laughs> but yeah, the transfer was a way for him to keep his job. They also discuss how Charlotte thinks it's a... Uh, this move is good for them because he's too available. And she's like, oh, yeah, women hate it when you're too available. And he goes, he's like, yeah, you know, so, you know, I'm just keeping my options open. But, you know, everything's fine. And she helps him kind of realize that he's broken up. <laughs> like, uh -huh. this isn't this isn't they're fixing things. They broke up. And he's like, oh, God, I'm broken up, aren't I? And she's like, yeah, want to do something violent? So the two throw axes. <laughs> So Cecily asks him how he got into rangering and he smiles and points at her back pocket saying, I read that. And she goes, my butt. <laughs> and he goes, no. And she pulls out a copy of Walden by Henry David Thoreau. He explains that he read it at 15 and it changed his life. She tells him me too. They then begin discussing all the national parks that each one of them have, have visited. And, you know, he, he goes on about Yellowstone and she's like, oh, I've never been there. I always wanted to go, blah, blah, blah. And there's this very awkward flirting scene between the two of them talking about camping. <laughs> she then asks if she can kiss him and almost does, but Charlotte calls and he's a moron and fucking answers it instead of kissing her. 
mm-hmm. understandably pissing off Cecily. He randomly he, makes me... Oh, good. He pissed me off by doing that. I know, right? It's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Moron. <laughs> she storms she off. She's a plan for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, he randomly makes an excuse that he's, he's out shopping, and Cecily tells him to grow a pair and leaves. He then finds out that Charlotte just wanted his AAA card and it had nothing to do with him after all. Womp womp. So that night we see the storm is kicking up and it knocks out the power across town. Cut to Trisha letting her dog Chachi go outside on the leash and uh, suddenly the leash gets yanked really hard. Trish tries to pull it back. The leash snaps and comes in with a frayed end. She grabs a flashlight and looks outside. We don't see what it is that she sees, but she screams bloody murder. Chachi? <laughs> She's like, Chachi! The way she says Chachi. Chachi. Her, her fucking reactions from this point forward are hilarious. Oh my god. And they're so <laughs> understated, too. They crack me I up want my so Chachi! There, there's a line coming up that, I mean, again, I had to, I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. Because it's, it's so subtle, but I'll get that in a second. But we cut to Finn waking up screaming, and we see Trisha and Pete along with Devin and Joaquim in the inn. Trish is saying a monster ate her baby. Janine explains to Finn and uh, Finn that Devin found her screaming outside while he was doing his morning sprints. <laughs> and I love it because Joaquim goes, are we talking about a real baby? Because if we are, oh my God. But if not, it's just a dog. <laughs> and of course Pete gets pissed off and they're like oh quiet Pete your dog only barked at Jews and brown people it's like oh my god <laughs> Sam Parker speaks up from across the room saying maybe it was a coyote while he pours a huge measure of booze into his coffee both Devin and Cecily complain that they can't get on the internet since the power is down uh, this will of course be important later because now they're isolated and then enter Dr. Ellis. I love this because Janine goes, what do you think, doctor? And Finn's standing there like, what? And he turns around and looks and she's just standing behind him like a statue. And she's like. She does that a lot. Yeah, she, she does. Pops out of nowhere. But I love it because she goes, well, Janine, I don't know because I just got here and don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to uh, to take a look at the, the frayed leash and she notices a, a hair, a specific hair on it. So she plucks the sample off and takes a few photos of the leash. Finn tells the group he's going to go check the generators and see if he can get the power back up. Just then, Gwen and Marcus show up asking to be let in, saying their shitter is broke and the roads are all storm fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I love that term, storm fucked. (laughs) Am I crazy that, like, everybody has somebody like that in their family? No, everybody has someone like that in their family. Or you're that yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's definitely someone like that in everyone's family. But uh, <laughs> so Finn grabs some binoculars and checks the area. He sees a huge snow drift across the road leading out of town, and he sees the power lines down. So, yeah, basically they're fucked. He then goes out into town to check the generators and finds them all torn apart with giant slash marks on them. I love it because he goes, heavens to Betsy, every time he sees one of them. (laughs) Back at the inn, he notices the generator is sabotaged just like the others. He also notices something sticking out from under the porch. He pulls on it and surprise, it's the corpse of the guy from the beginning. Finn goes back inside and Janine says, 
Ranger, you look like you've seen a corpse. And he goes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) The way he delivers that cracked me up. He then explains that the roads are indeed fucked and all of the generators have been broken. This causes the group to start bickering amongst themselves. Janine points out that if the power grid is down, it'll be at least a week before it's up and running. Finn cuts in with, um, also there's a dead body under your porch. (laughs) (laughs) Smash cut to the group outside looking at the mangled body while Janine sobs over it. Turns out it's her husband, Dave. He didn't run off with another woman. He's dead. Uh, He's completely torn apart. Parker comments that it was definitely a canine attack. Marcus suggests it was a wolf, and Ellis confirms due to the leg muscles being severed, it was definitely a wolf, as that's how they take down their prey. I lo- <laughs> this is the part I was talking about. Trish comes up all fake crying, going, oh, it's terrible. What happened to Dave anyway? You think that's what got my chachi? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> lost it. I was like, she's such an asshole. But I just, I love how everybody overreacts to the dead body. <laughs> it's so funny (laughs) so Finn suggests they all go back inside and covers up the body this is where act one ends so at this point in the film what are you guys thinking it's hilarious it's wacky fun (laughs) oh my god like I've said before on this show how much I love whodunits and this one oh my god just chef's kiss it's it's done so well like they they truly play around with the red herrings in the second act and it's like it keeps you guessing, because I ain't going to lie. I did not pinpoint who the werewolf was until very late in the film. Yeah, <laughs> like, my guess yeah. was wrong. I totally missed it. My guess was wrong twice. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. That's. I mean, we'll talk about it at the end. But yeah, I definitely had the, the wrong guess twice. I was like, so kudos on, on the filmmakers. They they definitely kept you guessing. They, they knew how to play with red herrings. But uh so <clears throat> act two kicks up with in, with all the group inside discussing about how there's a wild animal on the loose and Lord only knows who or what it'll kill next. Finn suggests that uh, they go see Emerson because he can help them with the animal. Everyone warns him, saying that he can't go alone, citing that Emerson is nuts. And I love how Finn goes, well, someone can come with me. And Marcus goes, no, nah, I'm good. And Joaquin rubs <laughs> his belly saying, oh, sorry, we're trying to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking lost it. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> he asked Cecily to come with him saying it can probably only eat one of us at a time. And she's like, dude, really? <laughs> so we cut to them walking to Emerson's. Finn comments that if they had snowshoes, they'd be moving much quicker. She cuts them off and goes, we get it. You love snowshoes. <laughs> so he yeah, apologized. She was, she's still pissed off at him. Yep. He he thanks her for coming with him when the others wouldn't and brings up the night before, apologizing and admits that he screwed up and that basically saying that he likes her. Um, she tells him that maybe Charlotte is right and maybe he does need to man up. Grow a beard. Ch- or, gr- yeah, grow a beard. Chug a beer. Yell at someone smaller than you. I don't know. I don't know what men do. I don't hang out with them too much. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up. So back at the inn. Parker is trying to convince the Wolfsons to sell their land for the pipeline, offering them double. They insist that they're not interested, and Parker tells them that they're messing it up for the rest of the town, which devolves into the group arguing some more. Cut to Janine checking on Dr. Ellis. That's a great scene, because as as people are talking, they each layer stands in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. It's just a funny, like, the way they set the scene up. It always cracks me up, because they start in the back, and it just kind of pulls back. 
and you get another layer of conversation until they're all trying to kill each other. Yep. They do that really well in this movie, the the, <clears throat> the bickering moments where it's like everyone's just kind of talking over each other and you're getting like fragments of it throughout. But uh, we cut to Janine checking on Dr. Ellis, who tells her not to worry that she has excellent samples and no matter what, she'll find out whatever it was that killed her husband. <laughs> There's this wonderfully awkward moment where Janine goes to hug Dr. Ellis and she just scoots away like, nope. <laughs> I fucking lost it. <laughs> so we got to Cecily and Finn standing outside of Emerson's place, but not knocking. The two go back and forth being like, she's like, are you scared to knock? He's like, no, I'm not scared. I'm just taking my time. <laughs> like, back and forth, back and forth until finally Emerson opens the door, his hands covered in blood while holding a knife. He asks if either of them care to explain what happened to his generator. Cut to the three of them inside. Uh, and Finn explains the situation. Emerson laughs, saying he's not going to track and kill the animal. Finn explains the whole town voted for him to help, and they're all scared, and they're all asking for him to be a good neighbor, like Mr. Rogers. And Emerson pauses and goes, who's that? <laughs> so back at the inn, the mistrust is brewing. Trish is suggesting that the, it's awfully odd what happened to Dave, implying that maybe Janine had something to do with it. Pete pipes up, saying that Dave was excited about the pipeline, but Janine wasn't. Hmm, so maybe she had something to do with his death. Devin begins talking about the generator, saying that animals don't sabotage generators. Joaquin points out that Dr. Ellis said uh, what Dr. Ellis said about it being an animal and saying, how do you explain all of those hairs? Devin comments that it wasn't an animal, but it was something big and hairy. And Marcus yells, a werewolf. <laughs> and everyone looks at him like he's an idiot. And Devin goes, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say Emerson Flint. <laughs> and we cut back to Emerson's place where Finn is trying to explain what Mr. Rogers is. <laughs> While he's talking to Emerson, Cecily notices something on the mantle and calls Finn over. It's Chachi's dog collar. So Finn and Cecily quickly try to leave, apologizing to Emer Emerson for wasting his time. They then find themselves locked in and begin to panic. <laughs> I love this because Emerson's slowly walking toward him being like, allow me. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Oh my God, don't kill me. <laughs> they just start freaking out. <laughs> and then he unlocks the latch and they're like, I mean, I was going to say, don't bother coming over here and unlock the latch. I can do it myself. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother with the lock. He's so damn friendly. <laughs> He's pathologically friendly. This is true. <laughs> so they quick, quickly make their way out while Emerson watches. I love it. Cause Cecily's like, Oh my God, he's definitely the killer. He's like, shut up, act normal. <laughs> they do the awkward <laughs> shuffle away right like walk as fast as you can don't run right. and they can't open the door and he's slowly moving towards them oh it's so damn funny and all he does is flick the lock on top right and they're just like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> so finn and cecily arrive back at the inn and cecily just tells the group that emerson killed chachi which sets everyone into a frenzy janine wants to know if that means he killed her husband too Trish is screaming about what a bastard Emerson is, and Pete is trying to get everyone to have a drink to calm down. And there's a there's a moment where he grabs Gwen's ass, saying, come on, you're not one to turn down a drink. And she threatens that if he touches her again, she'll cut his hands off. That'll be important later. <laughs> so some time has passed, and we get, we get a quiet moment of Janine looking at a photo of her and Dave while she cries. 
Slowly, Dr. Ellis reaches up from behind her and grabs her shoulder, causing her to scream bloody murder. And I love Ellis because she goes, oh, my, that that was a horrible sound that you just made. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fantastic line. But uh, Ellis explains to Janine that the two hair samples she took, the one from Dave and the one from Chachi's little outfit, were a match. Uh, they're both definitely canine, but it doesn't match anything in her database, and she's not sure what that means. While this is happening, we see Gwen walking down a hallway in the inn, focusing on an old drawing hanging on the wall that depicts a werewolf eating children. She comments, that's fucking rad. (laughs) (laughs) I loved her reaction to that. So... That night at dinner, Finn explains to the group between the power outage, the storm, the whole Emerson thing, he thinks it's best if they all stayed there. Everyone agrees except Janine, who is understandably put upon with all of them staying in her home. But she eventually agrees, saying that some people will have to double up, though. Finn asks how many people are packing, and pretty much the entire group, with the exception of Cecily and the Wolfsons, pull out a gun. And I love how Marcus starts brandishing his gun around, getting all excited, going, yo, hold up. This dude Emerson wants to come down off his mountain maniac ass and eat our asses and fuck our skulls. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen tonight because pow, pow, I'm all up in this shit. (laughs) I fucking lost it. I'm like, every time this guy rants, it's hilarious. Uh, He is a first class jackass. Oh, God. he is. (laughs) (laughs) He's. Oh my god! Both him and Gwen—they're so fucking funny throughout this movie. They—they would—they would definitely, if they lived here, live in Niagara Falls. Oh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> they would live like right off of Saunders Settlement toward the falls, like before you get to entry or um, uh, NU, like yep. that area. They'd have yep. like a, a mechanic shop down there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So Finn mentions how there should be at least one gun in every room. And Pete comments, well, my gun is going to be in my room sleeping with my wife. Well, unless someone prefers my gun stays with them in their room, of course. (laughs) Then he looks around expectantly and goes, "Uh, Cecily? She goes, nope, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, the group has to have a sleepover. They go to talk to Dr. Ellis, who is still locked in a room. They tell her what's going on and ask if she's okay. She says she's fine, but needs more time to work. We pan inside her room with her acting very squirrely while waiting for results on her computer. One thing I got to say about this movie is it, like I said earlier, the fucking red herrings are so on point because there's so many times that it makes it look like, well, maybe it's Dr. Ellis or wait, maybe it's Emerson or wait, maybe, you know, maybe it's one of the meth heads. Like, it just oh, I, I was very impressed with how well they played with the red herrings. Their name is the Wolfsons. Exactly. Well, see, now that, that feels like, OK, this is on point. Look over here, you know, but the stuff like, you know, with the different people acting really squirrely, it's like, mm, maybe I don't know. Like I, mean, I was trying to eliminate the whole time. They, they could have called this movie Meth Werewolves to, to kind of <laughs> go along with Cocaine Bear. Well, no, I really want to see Meth Werewolves. And and PCP koala. Um, Yes. (laughs) So the group Uh, goes... Or Matt LeMay suggested Crackodile. Crackodile! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we we do have, what is it, Meth Gator coming from Asylum? I'd rather watch Crackodile. (laughs) I was going to say, Crackodile sounds way better. (laughs) But 
But Meth Gator sounds believable. Like a meth lab just throws a bunch of their shit in the water in, in Florida, you know. But anywho, uh, so the group goes about locking up the inn for the night. Later that night, while everyone is asleep, we see the, uh, the door to Trish and Pete's room creak open. Suddenly, Pete is yanked out of bed, screaming by an unseen force. Something attacks him out in the hall, and the next thing we know, Gwen is standing in the hall, shooting toward Pete while he screams. He holds up his hand, we see his fingers have been bitten off, and we see that he's been shot as well. (laughs) (laughs) Finn stops the bleeding, Dr. Ellis comes running, taking photos, and she finds another strange hair on Pete, and takes it to add to the samples. Sam offers her his flask, she takes it and heads back to her room, looking as if she's in shock. They ask Gwen if she saw what attacked Pete, and she says she didn't get a look, or too good of a look at it. It was too fast. Ellis locks herself in a room, takes a big swig of the flask, looking terrified. Downstairs, the group is freaking out over what happened to Pete. <laughs> I love Joaquin here. He goes, I feel like I'm at one of those horrible murder mystery dinner theater things, and I'm having an awful time, and I can't go home. <laughs> <laughs> The group tries to figure out what it, what it was that attacked Pete, asking how it got in and how did it get out again. Marcus comments ominously, who said it got out? Dun, dun, dun. Back in Dr. Ellis's room, we see her computer finishes analyzing the samples and shows the data to be inconclusive. She looks nervous and mutters, that's not possible. She then grabs a gun out of her bag and looks out the window at Dave's body under the tarp. We get a bit of a montage here as she's she's coming to terms with with what's actually happening. We see the werewolf art on the wall in the hall, the corpse of Dave, the full moon, the hairs that she pulled off the victims, and we hear Ellis saying it's not human. So she's putting the pieces together. Cut to Finn and Janine outside Ellis's room trying to talk to her. Sam suggests that she's drunk, and then bam, she shoots the door several times, forcing the others to hit the deck. She tells them... <laughs> go, go, go on, get... <laughs> I love it because she goes, you touch my door again and I'll shoot again. <laughs> like There's that nice pause. She peers out of one of the bullet holes and tells them it never left. It's not Emerson Flint. It's one of you. And I love Marcus in the background, because if you're not paying close attention, you can easily miss this. He just says, what did her eyeball say? I fucking lost it. <laughs> Because I was like, wait, did he just say, what did her eyeball say? And I had to rewind it. It's like every line this guy has is so fucking funny. But they ask what she means, and she says a lycanthrope. And the group murmurs confused until Sam says, a werewolf. <laughs> because Gwen goes, what is this, dumbass island? She drunk. And then Marcus goes, dumbass island, baby, you funny as hell. <laughs> oh, God. So Sam asks if there's a back door to the room, and Janine gives him the keys. He goes to get in while Finn tries to talk to Ellis. She sees Sam trying to get into the door. We hear the commotion inside, two gunshots, and then Sam comes out and tells the group that Ellis killed herself. Yeah. See, I'm still questioning, like, what exactly happened in there? You know, was it him or was it her? Because when we find out a little bit later, it's like, "Mm, it could have gone either way. But Sam tells them she was a, she was less afraid of death than whatever it was that happened to Dave. And Janine gives him a scathing look. So now we're like, okay, what's why is Janine looking like that? What's going on there? 
Cut to the group downstairs after having locked up again. Joaquim reads Ellis's notes saying that the human DNA overlaps with canine DNA. The data was inconclusive and whether this is evolution or a new species or something else. The group begins talking about werewolves and how every culture has them. Gwen then pipes up saying, when I was little, my dad used to kick the shit out of me. And then who's this long paw? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. And, she, and they're like, and? and she goes, and he says he would kick me outside for the Wendigo to get me when I was being a little shit. And Joaquin goes, what's a Wendigo? And Sam tells him it's a man beast that stalks the woods and hungers for human flesh, but is never full. And Joaquin goes, that's funny. That sounds like a euphemism for white men. <laughs> he then tells them that growing up in Argentina, it wasn't uncommon for the seventh born child to be killed because that one's a werewolf. <laughs> to which Cecily responds, but you don't do that anymore, right? Because that's fucking crazy. Also, you know, she's a seventh born child. Just saying. Yeah. But Trish gets annoyed with all the werewolf talk, saying that someone there is a bully and a murderer and trying to scare everyone so they can take their money from hardworking people. The group then begins bickering once more about the pipeline. Marcus flips out, pulling a gun, saying he's not going to allow people to fuck with his money. This causes everyone else to pull their guns on each other. And Devin goes, are we really in a Mexican standoff right now? Joaquin's like, baby, don't say Mexican. Just say standoff. (laughs) Fucking lost it again. Finn tries to convince everyone to calm down, saying maybe we should lock our guns in a room to keep everyone safe, seeing as how tensions are so high. Sam asks, even you, Ranger? And Finn goes, yes, even though that defies all protocol, sure. When werewolves are within the house. That's a thing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I love the pause. He's like, when werewolves are within, dot, 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 the house. So the group agrees. They pile their guns up and lock them in a room and throw the keys out the window into the snow. Back to the group awkwardly staring at each other, trying to figure out who it could be. Finally, Marcus speaks up, saying he thinks Trish has the most motive because she's hated Pete ever since his girl Gwen fucked him. And Gwen goes, first of all, that was four years ago. and Second of all, that never happened. (laughs) Trish accuses Gwen, uh, saying, you actually... Saying you actually said you were going to cut his hand off. You said that. Gwen tells Trish just to admit her husband is a creep. And Pete starts laughing creepily in the background saying, I'm not a creep. I'm a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. (laughs) Then he starts pointing his stump at people going, maybe you're a werewolf. And you're a werewolf. Maybe I ate my own hand. (laughs) And he goes, ow. (laughs) (laughs) And Trish is like, oh, stop it. You didn't eat your own hand. Uh, You know, so eventually this devolves back into the group arguing and pointing the finger at each other. Finn finally has enough and breaks the glass to get their attention and, you know, brings them all back together, pointing out that they they pointing out the love in the community, saying that in spite of all their differences, they have a lot more in common than they realize. Everything seems all nice and happy for a moment. Then Gwen speaks up and says, fuck that noise. I ain't staying here. Commenting that what happened to or that what happened to Pete ain't gonna happen to her and uh her and Marcus, so they leave before that happens. One by one, each member of the group start to leave, go back to their separate homes, saying that uh, you know, they're safer alone. So they leave Cecily, Finn, and Janine at the end. This is where Act Two ends. What are you guys thinking? I'm so mad Same. that some of these characters are gonna start to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but as as we mentioned before like the group scenes are so well executed like you you do have to watch this multiple times because there's so many little things you'll miss you know whether it's just like a facial reaction or like a weird offhanded comment like the whole what did her eyeball just say you know those kind of things like there's so many little details crammed into this movie it's it's just ah again chef's kiss so good yep so act three, we open with a little montage of the townsfolk. We see Finn boarding up the inn. Sam has an arsenal in the back of his truck and is gearing up. He has grenades, a crossbow, night vision, some knives. <laughs> like He's like, all right, what's going on with Sam? And Trish and Pete are back home with a fire going while she watches ominously out the window. Back at the inn, Finn hears a yelp upstairs and goes to see what's going on. Cecily tells him there's something in Parker's room. They go in and find the window is left open. Inside, Cecily finds a newspaper clipping saying Mauling leaves two dead outside Grout Pond, which is the place that Finn was forced to transfer from due to his, his fishing incident. Oh. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Uh. <laughs> Finn finds an old knife wrapped up in rags and holds it out to Cecily. And again, the way they have him hold it out, it almost looks like he's threatening her. Um, now we cut to Devin and Joaquin walking through the woods. Oh, wait. You missed a part. He holds the knife out. He goes, what does this smell like? Oh, no, he says that after. Oh, he does? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, because we, 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 we cut to, because uh, to, he holds it out looking at her, and then we smash cut to uh, Devin and Joaquin walking through the woods. Devin is annoyed with Joaquin saying, I can't believe you want to go back with those people. And Joaquin reminds him of safety and numbers. Suddenly they hear a noise in the woods, and someone that they can't see shines a light on them. Back at the inn, Finn goes, what does the smell like holding the knife out to her? She slowly takes it and sniffs it and says it smells like diesel. That's so. my favorite game to play with Teresa. <laughs> what does the smell like? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just hold the finger out and be like, babe, babe, what does the smell like? <laughs> See, now, as a parent, I'm sure you can relate to this, especially when Zoe was, was little, little. You had to play the game of what's that smell? Oh, God. I still play that game. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, like, I'd come downstairs and be like, wait a second. What is that? <laughs> Start looking around the room trying to find what piece of food was left out. Like, why is there taco cheese in the couch cushions? Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Being a parent sometimes is really gross. It's but... a blast. Don't get me wrong, I love my kid, but Jesus, there's some gross stuff that comes with being a dad. I can only imagine how fucking disgusting I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, same. Holy shit. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, like, I'm the youngest of three, so it's like, I guarantee by the time I was around, my parents were just tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. But, so we we cut from the, uh, well, she smells, it says it smells like diesel, so clearly this knife was used to destroy the generators. Which, again, when you see the, the cuts on those generators, there ain't no way that somebody with a knife was able to cut through metal like that. No. No. Yeah. Hugh Jackman is cur- like, he's hiding out somewhere. <laughs> right. Like, those are some Wolverine claws. But meanwhile, in the woods, Joaquin and Devin run and get separated. Back in Parker's room, Cecily and Finn find a map, show it with red X's on it. She comments, he's tracking the attacks. How did she know about the attack? like wait a second oh what, yeah what, what do you mean attacks like there's just red x's on different forest locations interesting suddenly there's a noise outside 
Cut back to the woods. Devin trips, looks up, and sees someone coming toward him. It's Trish. Devin is confused as to what the hell is going on. Trish pulls a maple tap out of the tree, looks at Devin and says, she's like, it's where the, this, this is the end where the sweet stuff comes out. And she goes, I want my craft store. And she crams the tap into his neck, killing him. Ugh. I was like, oh God, that's a horrible way to go. They really missed the opportunity to like have the blood squirt out of the tap. Oh yeah. <laughs> but back in the end, we see Parker uh, bust in with night vision goggles and a crossbow. Meanwhile, Cecily and Finn run past him and escape outside. He hears them and gives chase. We see Finn and Cecily hiding under the porch while Parker calls out for them, saying that he's always hunted as a hobby. But when Ellis said that one of them could be a lycanthrope and the news, uh, the news of the attack suddenly made sense. Under the porch, Finn and Cecily are watching and waiting for the coast to be clear when suddenly Joaquin pops up behind him, scaring the crap out of him. <laughs> and he's like, what is he hunting? Why does he look like that? They explain that Parker thinks he's hunting werewolves. <laughs> I'm sorry, in my head, I was like, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting werewolves. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hunting wikenthropes. <laughs> wikenthropes. <laughs> but they ask him where Devin is, and he explains they got separated, and something is out there. Cecily asks where this happened, and he says, by Trisha's house. So we cut to the three of them running to Trisha's house. They hear something, uh, something behind them, and Joaquin calls out for Devin. They then run inside and find Marcus with knives taped to his hand like some kind of great value Freddy Krueger. <laughs> this whole section is hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah, his rant. I, I was in tears. So they ask what he's doing. He's like, I'm stealing everyone's shit and I'm going to make it look like the werewolf did it. Finn attempts to approach him talking calmly and Marcus slashes his shirt, like uh, sli slicing his shirt open. And Finn just goes, hey, it's my work shirt. <laughs> Marcus then flips out telling him to stay back saying maybe I'm the werewolf maybe you became the werewolf was there a werewolf part time motherfucker weren't you a werewolf I'm the full time werewolf bitch and Finn goes is there even a werewolf he goes I don't know I don't have the answer to your questions bitch <laughs> do, you like, he, do you notice he holds, holds the claws like Freddy Krueger when he says bitch yep because he said bitch several times like Freddy yep <laughs> Marcus then runs outside saying, you motherfuckers couldn't catch a cold. And he runs out into the street and is accidentally backed over by Gwen in the getaway truck. His explanation of his claws is like, I can't remember what it was, but it was hilarious. He he said that he, he was, he, he duct taped, he goes, I duct taped knives to my hand, but it's still my hand under there. But with the knives on it, it's lethal. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up. So Gwen backs over him, not even realizing she killed her husband, yelling, Marcus, you dumbass, get out here. And then Trish shoots Gwen in the head, killing her. <laughs> she goes, gotcha, homewrecker. <laughs> the group runs back inside Trish's house as she creepily walks after them, muttering, you're trespassing. Trespassers be shot on sight. Yeah, they're going to get shot on sight. And then she's like, you're in my house. I know another way in. <laughs> she walks around. I was like, she's like fucking creepy. But the group runs through the house and goes to the back door where she catches them at the back door and holds them at gunpoint, making them line up in the living room. Joaquin asks if she did something to Devin, and she tells him that Devin should have minded his own beeswax, that he went sticking his nose where it didn't belong, and, and that they all should have just let Mr. Parker build his pipeline. 
She then yells to Pete and notices he's dead. While she's distracted, Joaquin picks up a fire poker. She turns to yell that they killed Peter, and Joaquin yells, you killed my husband, and bashes her across the face with the poker. She falls to her knees in a daze. <laughs> I love this because they're like, is, is she okay? And they're like, yeah, I, th- I think she's okay. And a trickle of blood begins to run down her forehead, and she tips head first into the fireplace. <laughs> where her whole head ignites. She's not okay. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was going to joke, don't trust anybody that says mind your own beeswax, but, you know, she's not a threat anymore. I mean, to be fair, that's uh, that's that's not a bad rule to live by. <laughs> so, you know, but so she's dead. Her her head lit up. <laughs> so the group runs outside and sees Parker standing there. Joaquin wants to know why he's hunting them. And Finn points out he could he could think that Cecily is a werewolf because she, she's the seventh born. Or maybe he's pissed because Joaquin and Devin blocked the pipeline. Or maybe because, you know, he's the pain in the ass new ranger in town. Suddenly, Joaquin grabs Cecily and holds her at gunpoint, saying that if she's the seventh born, then she's the werewolf. Finn tries to calm him down, but Joaquin keeps saying, I have to kill her. She's the seventh born. Suddenly, a crossbow bolt flies past Finn, scraping his arm and stabbing Joaquin in the chest. He looks down at it and goes, ow, and then falls over. (laughs) This whole scene just reminds me of Iron Maiden, seventh son of a seventh son. Hmm. Because they say seventh born like five times. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> so Cecily gets in Marcus's truck while Parker loads another shot. She can't get the truck started. Parker comes up, grabs her, and pulls her out of the truck. Sam calls out to Finn, naming all the locations that Finn has been stationed at and how each one has had a vicious murder. He then points out to Finn that he put himself in charge. Everything started to go to shit once he arrived. And uh, he's even the one that found Dave's body, which is pretty damn convenient. Finn tells him that Sam is the one that riled up the town uh, with his promises of money and that he brought out the worst in people. And uh, the only one in the town that's a, that's a real monster is Sam. Just, just then Cecily stomps on Sam's foot, giving Finn the opportunity to attack. So he tackles Sam to the ground. <laughs> Sam then pops an Assassin's Creed blade from his wrist and stabs Finn in the side. Which Did is you read of, the trivia about that? Oh, I, I didn't even have to. I'm like, it's a Ubisoft game. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, that makes sense. But he goes to stab Finn again, and Finn bear maces him. Sam gets up staggering around in front of the giant phallic fighter, fire totem. I'd rather be stabbed than bear maced. Yeah, I kind of think I agree on that one. I feel like bear mace, if it's enough to repel a bear, probably has to be the worst thing ever. Yeah, that that shit would probably hurt, like, really, really bad. (laughs) But he staggers in front of his giant fire totem. We hear Joaquin calling out, saying, your pipeline is trash. He then takes the shot, and we pan out to, like, like a really far shot in the hills, and we just see a fireball shoot up in the background. (laughs) He says, oh, fuck. So we cut back in and Finn and Cecily are surrounded by flaming wreckage. They look around in shock and suddenly the power comes back on. Finn looks down at a stab wound, which is bleeding pretty heavily. And he goes, oh, that's not good. Cecily gets him up and takes him inside the axe throwing place that's right across the street. 
Once inside, she tells him that she's going to go get the medic kit and see if she can patch him up. And he, she goes, you, you need to promise me you're not going to die because I really like you. And he, he's like, I, I won't die. While he's waiting. <laughs> Team America, you, you remember that line where he goes, I promise I will <laughs> never die. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> I was actually just talking about that with the vomit sequence from the puppet. Okay. Um, it's <laughs> It's like the longest vomit sequence in a movie. But while he's waiting, he hears a whistling chirp coming from a nearby room. He goes to investigate and finds a room with a bunch of undelivered mail, including the fuel injector that Gwen was bitching about. The, the same chirp you heard him when uh, <clears throat> uh, Janine's husband dies. Yes, yes. The the phone at the beginning. Of the, I forgot to mention that at the beginning. So when the, when the guy was out front, uh, we hear the little chirp on his phone. And then he gets mauled by the creature. Is that the Twitter chirp? Oh, I, I'm I not sure if it's there or if it's just, a, I've heard it before. I don't know if it's just a regular ringtone or. Yeah, like a generic ring. Generic ringtone. Yeah. But um, he goes in and finds all the undelivered mail. Bunch of newspaper clippings about all the murders at the various national forests. And then finally Dave's postal badge and cell phone. He leaves the room to find Cecily standing there and he asks, it's you, isn't it? She tells him that you know, she's like, yeah, and then mocks him, telling him that werewolves are real. Women who read Walden while drinking kombucha and getting turned on by your Yellowstone stories. They're the fantasy. That Aww. got me so hard. I, I know. know. <laughs> that I was, was like, such a punch in the nuts. <laughs> as like. I was waiting for this moment. I, I've kept all of my grinding everything to a halt for this. <laughs> As a nerd, as a, a guy nerd, all three of us are, mm-hmm. we've been trapped in scenarios like this oh, where yeah. we like wish that this would happen or somebody takes advantage of us because we're lonely. Mm-hmm. It happens at some point in your life. And this was just that fucking reminder. And I was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, son of a bitch, I fell for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me so mad. We all fell for it. I was going to say, yeah. and, I, and I'm sure we've all had, uh, you know, a relationship in the past where it's someone that seemingly is cool with your hobbies and then, you know, turns around and talks about, you know, what a waste it is. Yeah. Don't yep. define yourself by your hobbies. Nope. Because you will set yourself up to be preyed upon by crazy bitches. <laughs> also, don't let someone tell you that your hobbies are trash. Like, cause fuck that. Yeah, your hobbies no, you're are your hobbies. Yeah. If somebody tells you your hobbies are trash. Fuck them. Exactly. Fuck them in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why fuck them in the neck always gets me. Those <laughs> people are dog shit. You don't need them in your life. <laughs> this is very true. This is words of wisdom from three men who are old <laughs> for your younger <laughs> listeners. If you're holding out for somebody who's into the same shit that you are because you think that's your personality, you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Opposites okay. attract. Find somebody who accepts you. Yeah. Doesn't clone you. Okay? 100%. If that makes sense. Well, and this is something I've talked about many times. It is perfectly okay to have a partner who you share interests with, but have completely opposite interests as well. 
like yeah jess and i we like a lot of the same stuff especially like when it comes to movies and and tv shows and stuff but she doesn't give a crap about video games <laughs> i i love video games you know she likes toys but not the way i do you know she likes comics but not the same types of comics i like so it's like there's stuff we enjoy together and there's stuff that we do separately like i'll be upstairs playing a video game she'll be downstairs reading one of her like mystery whodunit romance novels you know, yeah. so we we all have our 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 joys and just don't let anyone tell you you're trash um, that's right i'm gonna stop there because i could just go and go and go and go <laughs> and it'll get to the point where it's not making sense anymore and just, so we're we're gonna have to take a, a a page out of the uh simpsons family podcast uh book here and have our own little therapy session <laughs> <laughs> dear therapist <laughs> i'll you know what this will be a part two in uh, another episode, Silent Hill. Because <laughs> there I, we go. I have some relationship trauma intricately sewn into that movie. And I'll get on a pedestal again and rant to you about oh. relationships. And you're just going to want to hear about Pyramid Head ripping off somebody's skin. And I'm going to be like, wait, <laughs> no, hold on. Let me tell you about this dumb shit that you don't really need to hear about. Let me let me peel back this trauma wound. Yeah, let me rip the bandaid off and show you the festering, pus-filled mess that's my life. Because you need that right now. I mean, to be fair, it does make for interesting conversation. It does. But, yeah. Anyways, carry on. So, we now get the parlor scene. Finn asks her why she had to kill. Why couldn't she just go out and hunt? She says, I did, but that was exhausting. She goes, it's much easier here. There was already so much petty drama, and it was all exacerbated by the pipeline. All she had to do was plant the dog's collar, spread a few rumors, and people's fear took care of the rest. And she goes, and now I have dinner on ice through through until spring. So conversational, so awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I ugh, that is this whole sequence is just fantastic. But she tells him that he, all the, he almost fucked it up for her though by being too nice. She tells me he's pathologically nice <laughs> saying that he kept trying or she kept trying to turn him like the others, but he kept bringing people together with his kumbaya bullshit. <laughs> and I love Finn though. He gets all pissed off and defends himself for being nice. Being like, it's fucking okay to be nice. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Excuse my language. It's effing okay to be nice. <laughs> That's one of the greatest lines in the movie. And oh God. I loved it. It was very inspirational. It really was. <laughs> I was like, I, I really like Finn. He's a great hero. <laughs> but she smiles and tells him, well, in a dog-eat-dog world, you can be nice or you can be me. And she drops to the ground and begins to transform into the wolf. And I love it because he goes, heavens to, oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 he was about to say heavens to Betsy. but <laughs> Oh, my gosh. She, so right as she stands up, she goes to howl and then gets whacked in the back of the head with a shovel and passes out. It's old man Emerson. Finn asks what he's doing there, and he goes, being a good neighbor, like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Which cracked me up. Suddenly, Cecily jumps up and attacks Emerson, fucking him all up, while Finn runs and hides. Cecily starts tearing the place apart, looking for him. Finn gets to the axes and starts hucking him at her. He misses her, and he misses her quite a bit. He hits the jukebox, which turns on Ace of Base, <laughs> which I swear that song will now forever be tied to werewolves for me. Um, he hits the wall and knocks off Chekhov's snowshoes. 
and then he finally hits he hits the uh, dartboard and he gets it dead center and he goes, "Oh, nice." <laughs> that would be me in an axe throwing place. <laughs> Just knocking like, off the walls. I- I'd hit people across the room. I'd break windows. I'd hit myself. <laughs> Anywhere but where it was supposed to go. Oh my god! <laughs> so Finn keeps throwing them. She's dodging, and eventually, you know, he runs out of axes. And she chases after him and tackles him to the ground, and the two start to fight. Finn grabs one of the snowshoes, Cecily reels back to attack him, and he stabs her in the neck with the snowshoe. Her eyes go wide, and she falls off of him. And I love his reaction, because this is the only time I've seen this in a horror movie. It feels perfect. Like, he just witnessed some crazy shit. And he just lays there, he goes, what? What? Like, he just starts yelling. And I'm like, that is perfect. Like, that is how people would actually react. Screaming and just, like, all of that adrenaline just coming out. Like, Jesus Christ, what just happened? I just fought a werewolf to Ace of Base. (laughs) And I stabbed her with a snowshoe. Yeah. (laughs) So Finn gets up, staggers over toward Emerson, who is still alive. Finn helps him up and thanks him for saving his life. Emerson tells him that he likes what he had to say back at the cabin about community and helping one another. While they're talking, we see Cecily stand up in the background, pull the snowshoe out of her neck, and start staring at them. Finn asks Emerson, hungry? He goes, starving. Think Janine's still alive? Well, maybe she could make us a sandwich. Cecily rushes up behind him and jumps, only to get shot midair by a crossbow bolt. They look over, see see Janine standing in the doorway with the crossbow, and she goes, Make your, Make own, your damn own sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Credits have, the end. Two questions. Mm-hmm. In all this chaos, I can't remember what happened to Janine in the first place. She was up in her room. She just never um, came out? Yeah, because it was after they barricaded everything. The three of them are kind of like downstairs, and, and uh, Finn tells her, go up to your room, lock yourself in, and don't come out for anything. Okay. Um, and then, Also, like, is she the werewolf? Right, exactly. <laughs> but see, okay, so final thoughts on this. Like, I already mentioned... Well, the whole... another thing. Is Emerson a werewolf now? See, this is one of the things I'm glad you mentioned that, because this is part of my final thoughts, is like, how many people were attacked by a werewolf, and are they going to turn? Because is she again, a werewolf because she's a seventh child? Right, or... there's so many questions. Yeah. And, like, were those the crossbow bolts silver? Because, I mean... Uh, Sam does stab Finn and say taste silver so like apparently the blade was made of silver but are the crossbow bolts silver would that have killed her doesn't matter right exactly yeah. no, it doesn't matter in the end but so now the re- as far as the red herrings go at first I was convinced that it was dr- going to be Trish because I'm like how funny would it be to have this like this wacky character of Trisha actually be the werewolf and up until her dog got killed, then I was like, mm, OK, maybe it's not her, but I feel like she's in on it. Like maybe her and, and frickin uh, Parker are up to something. I thought Parker might have been the werewolf for a little while. Then eventually I ended up thinking it was Dr. Ellis because she was getting so nervous, like, oh, shit, what did I do? Like, you know, the whole werewolf thing of like, I can't remember what I did when I last turned. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, oh, maybe it's Ellis. But those like like one by one, I'm like, fuck, man, their their red herrings got me good. So I was very impressed with that. I thought it yeah. was the body. 
Oh, so you thought it was Dave? I thought it was Dave. Mm. See, I didn't even think that. That's 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 good too. Transforming into the wolf until mm-hmm. it was clear that it wasn't. Then I was like, oh shit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was and thinking I thought, either. Part... Oh god. But maybe there's no wolf at all. It yeah, then it was. Place. Then it was just paranoia. Yep. Yeah. Were you gonna see Maurice? I was thinking either Parker or Ellis while I was watching it as well. Mm-hmm. I would say there there was a moment when I was like, okay, the the ones that are that are too obvious are Cecily, Finn, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, Gwen and Marcus, because again, they wanted us to think that. Um, but then I started questioning that, going, wait. Are they doing that double thing where they're like, yeah, you'll think this is too obvious. So maybe they're one. They're the werewolf. And I didn't think Cecily, though. I, I wasn't until the toward the very end when it was just like there was Joaquin, uh, Cecily and freaking uh, uh, Finn along with with Parker. I'm like, maybe. But it never clicked De- like there was no <clears throat> definite until finally the, the scene where we do find out. I was like, oh, shit, it really is her. OK, yeah, I, yeah, I. I didn't want it to be her same i was just about to say that yeah <laughs> i think that's they they played into that they're like no one wants it to be the at&t girl <laughs> but bravo yeah, on their part though seriously because i mean that's the thing we've all seen plenty of whodunits we've talked about we did a whole month of this where we talked about it before and how a lot of whodunit films they start strong and then they start cluing you in pretty quickly on who the killer is. And it becomes fairly obvious. Um, but there's a couple that, that are, you know, that kind of stand strong. And I would definitely put this up there as one that really played the whodunit card very well. Oh yeah. So if, if you guys, uh, you know, like I said at the start, hopefully you, you've watched it before you listen to this because we just ruined the whole thing. But you know, definitely it's worth a watch. It's it's very well acted. You know, the script is very tight. Like, it's, it's a very short movie. I mean, it's only an hour and 37 minutes. Um, but it's it's no wasted time. Every single scene, there's tons happening. So definitely worth your watch. I would say don't. I mean, unless you're a person that likes things digitally, just buy the DVD. Yeah, it's it, it's worth it. And. As me and Maurice were saying, on multiple watches, there's tons of funny stuff in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I'm definitely, I do own the digital copy now. I'm definitely going to pick up a Blu-ray of it. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to add it to my it. collection. Yeah. So there, there's not a ton of trivia. Uh, we mentioned some of it. Like, you know, we mentioned the uh, Assassin's Creed Blade. Um, but this I found really funny, that when Finn uh, plays a song on the jukebox, he punches in 1993. Uh, which is the year that that album was released by Ace of Base, 1993. Yep, I was 12 when that came out. I was 13. Yep. Um, also, principal photography for this began in February 2020, a month before the pandemic hit. So that sucks for them. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there there's not a, a whole lot of, of trivia. There, there's one little notation, the um, drawing in the hallway the uh, werewolf drawing that, that Gwen is like, oh, that's fucking rad. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's apparently, uh, let's see here, it's Lucas Cronach. I'm sure I said that wrong. It's a, a piece called Dare Werewolf. And the original shows a man on all fours eating a child. But in this, they change it to a wolf's head eating a child. So 
they they altered it slightly for the film but in the original painting it sounds like it's or the original engraving sounds much more disturbing as it's just a guy on all fours eating a kid <laughs> it's like uh, Jesus. you know you can eat a kid standing up <laughs> it's not hard <laughs> what was that um oh my god now i'm forgetting my greek mythology here the uh father of zeus um oh who eats his oh. kids he eats the titans yeah yes 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 i can't ah, i can't think of there's a famous painting munchies sure... <laughs> yes munchies munchies <laughs> Oh my God, that is going to bug the crap out of me now. I I, I got to look it up because I'm sure I know Strasburg is probably yelling right now at his at his phone. Um, Whatever Strasburg, you <laughs> dork. <laughs> you like, big nerd. <laughs> Cronus, Let's go read some books, you weenie. <laughs> Cronus, that's Zeus's father. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and drink some kombucha. <laughs> I've honestly never had kombucha. I, the, I, hear, the, I, I hear it's good. I do too. I've never but had it either. I'm it like, sounds like a, a milk-based drink. It's like a it's fermented a, it's a, tea or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think that sounds too appealing. <laughs> like, I've seen it a few times, and I'm like, it never looks that tasty. So I'm like, I'll just, I think I'm gonna stay away from that one. Yeah, that that sounds nasty. Yeah, and, and coming from me, I, as, you know, as you guys know, I eat a lot of weird shit. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that one. That might be a bridge too far. Except for clam I've boats. Eaten, I've eaten a lot of your weird shit. <laughs> this is true. You have. <laughs> Bro, we're your guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, I do. But it's always I, good. I was going to see, see, Mike, you know. <laughs> Wait, you cooked guinea pig meat? No, no. <laughs> oh, guinea pig. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Yeah, no, we're his guinea pigs when we're yeah. over for dinner. Oh, I thought like yeah. you had some sort of Cause... weird like because they eat guinea pigs in some countries, and I thought you're like you guys got to try this. I mean, I would, but <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line of cat and dog. I'm not eating cat and dog. No, no, no. You think you've eaten cat and dog and didn't know you ate cat and dog? I oh, mean, yeah. I ha- I have had some questionable Chinese food before. Yeah, <laughs> I-, know, I definitely but... have been to some buffets where it's like I don't know what this is. Tastes good. There is uh, there is a Chinese restaurant downtown Niagara Falls that uh, Reese, I'm sure you'll know the one, the one that we always used to order from at the hospital. I don't want to say the name. Um, yeah. But is it called? I don't want to say the name because I don't want to say the meat you're eating. <laughs> no, I just I just don't want to get uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but um, yeah, there is uh, they have the chicken on a stick, which I have gotten many many times. That ain't chicken. I don't know what type of meat it is, but it ain't chicken. <laughs> I mean, it could be squirrel, but it's fucking good. <laughs> oh, God. I've, I've never had chicken that tastes like that, but I'm like, whatever it is, it's tasty. Come on down to an idiot chicken. You love <laughs> our food. <laughs> I think we just found our new creepy head sponsor. It ain't chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, do you guys have any uh, any final thoughts on uh, Werewolves Within? Go watch yeah, it. Yeah, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, significant other, whatever thing that they need you to do, it's not important. Watching Mm -hmm. horror movies is more important. Tell (laughs) the kids to feed themselves. And I will say homework, etc. Speaking of kids, I feel like this is one that you could watch with the kids. If they can keep their attention up with it. Yeah, I Uh, I feel like I want to show this one to Caleb because I think he would actually like this one. I think he would. I mean, yeah, there's some there's some dirty comments, but, you know, whatever. We we all grew up on eighties movies. It's fine. He, he too would become a fan of Ace of Base <laughs> for the same reason. 
<laughs> oh my god i got i know this has nothing to do with anything but it's it, it's fucking hilarious caleb is now at that age like because he's he's 11 so it's like you know the pre-pubescent puberty beginning all that and um the other day i just looked at him with caleb he went what he went boobies and he just started laughing he's like why why did you say that i went boobies and i just kept saying <laughs> he thought it was the funniest thing ever and jess is like why is that so funny and she's like well, booty and he just he didn't laugh and I went vagina and he lost it <laughs> <laughs> and she was like you two are weird I'm like eh, you know puberty striking <laughs> you say that people are going to giggle pretty soon you're just going to be able to look at him and be like hey Caleb boobies and he's going to be like I know <laughs> <laughs> I have the internet dad yeah. safe, safe search on <laughs> dad I disabled safe search when I was four <laughs> right it's like, well, shit. You got no idea. <laughs> I've seen some shit. Suddenly has that Vietnam stare. <laughs> Dad, two girls, one cup. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah. laughs> oh, Lord almighty. I, the only thing I've seen with that is the reaction videos, and I'm keeping it that way. Don't, don't, just don't. Yeah, no, I know, I don't want to. I know what it is. I, I heard the description. I'm like, nope, I don't ever need to see that. But I will watch the reaction videos of people freaking out. The funnier yeah, that, one. Oh, that's God. totally funny. The funnier one of the reaction videos is two girls, one finger. Um, because apparently it's even more vile and it's it's some kind of vomit porn. But <laughs> there's like yodeling music in the, the video <laughs> so when you watch the the reaction videos you just hear people like oh you're little, little, blah, blah, you're little. <laughs> and you just see like looks of horror on people's faces and I, it's it's so fucking funny so pretty much when people aren't calling the hospital <laughs> asking for help you're watching people vomit and laughing pretty much <laughs> I can just picture you and some doctors being like, ha, 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 "Boobies!" <laughs> Somebody's the, coding in the room next door. The amount of people that I have corrupted at that hospital by explaining gross internet things to and being like, "Oh, you've never heard of blue waffle? Here, take a look at this." <laughs> what do you mean this you don't know what a werewolf? Check it out. You don't know what a freaking lemon party is. Check this out. <laughs> you've never heard of an ace of base? <laughs> You're in luck. He gave her the sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so with that, I think we're going to start wrapping this one up. <laughs> but uh, so for anyone not watch or not following us, uh, check out uh, the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram to keep up with all of our upcoming movies and posts and whatnot. And Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the thank you very much we also do have a patreon it's three dollars a month for all of our unedited episodes uh the higher tiers will get you stuff like uh birthday picks and art in the mail and all that kind of stuff um we do have a birthday pick coming up uh actually by the time this comes out it'll be you'll be hearing that episode already so <laughs> this is a little we're recording it before that episode comes out but yes so by the time this comes out you'll have already heard our birthday episode um happy birthday donald derazio indubitably <laughs> We also are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so if you guys like this podcast and want to hear more like this, check out radpantheon.com for other podcasters, artists, and musicians just doing rad stuff. I'm going to toss it over to Mike now for any plugs he might want to give. Countcreepy.com, C-U-N-T, 
K-R-E-E-P-Y.com, or just search for Count Creepy on the internet. We have a podcast. I share Mike's posts all the time. I'm not hard to find. Uh, also, C-O-U-N-T, because you, you spelled cunt creepy. <laughs> <laughs> best, best Freudian slip ever. <laughs> you know, I thought I heard that, but I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure. I heard uh, that, and I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. I alluded to <laughs> earlier, I can't fucking spell. <laughs> oh, but Listen that was cunt creepy. Good creepy. Now, see, if you looked that up, you might end up back in the blue waffle territory. <laughs> so be careful what you Google search with safe search off. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Mike, I want to say thank you once again for, for filling in for us this month. Uh, it's it's always a blast when you're on and we always end up talking about shit like this. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. I love having a place to talk about uh, well, movies like this. I look forward to hearing your tales on Silent Hill. It's going to be fun. Oh, uh, so. it's going to be just as depressing as Silent Hill. I'll try to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> It'll fit. It, it fits the theme. That movie's depressing as fuck. Yep. Uh, so for those of you that like to watch our next episode before we get to it, episode 175 is going to be Existence. So a little Cronenberg fun. So uh, check that out and uh, remind yourself of how weird the 90s actually were. Was that the so, 90s or was it like early 2000? I want to say it was 99. It, it makes you months. appreciate PlayStation in an all <laughs> new way. Yeah, it, uh, it's a strange, strange film. Yeah, 1999. I just double checked. Um, I remember seeing it in the theater and just being like, what? Like, and that is that was her birthday pick. No, no, no. Uh, no, Existence is, is uh, our her birthday pick has nothing to do with video games. Oh, so, okay. I'll ask yep. you about that after. I can actually go ahead and say it because by the time by the time you hear it, you know, by the time you hear this, the episode will already be out. Um, but she picked Hell Baby. Oh, okay, okay. That yeah, that seems so. like more Dawn Speed. Yeah, but she does want to be on Existence, so she's joining us for that one. Okay, I thought um, like just she's a deep love of Cronenberg. It's very <laughs> weird. I will say, uh, much like my brain scan comments about how that's not how video games work. Um, I'm going to have a lot to say about that in existence. So. Oh, bullshit. You can stick the cord in your body and still get the same <laughs> results. That that extra port? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Cronenberg's a weird fucker. But... Ladies, when he wants you to be in the video games, it's not the Cronenberg kind of way. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, God help you if it is. Jesus Christ. And with that creepy note, we're going to take off. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.